this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Postseason time, all right? Silly summer transfer time. No more matches. I explained it to my girlfriend. She was like, all right, Sunday, Chelsea play at 6 a.m.? And I was like, no, no no more matches. That that big one that I just went to Portugal for, that was it. That that wrapped it up. And so... That was it for approximately six weeks. And then <laughs> <yeah>. we're back. <laughs> uh, the players need a break. So anyways, uh, this is going to kick off our summer series. So as always, your host, Brandon Joma, host Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, bringing in the fourth Beatles, he likes to call himself, Dan. I mean... It wouldn't be I the same. I think he calls himself the fifth Beatle. Well, Who's yeah, the fourth that's, one? That's the technical term because th- there was four Beatles and then the fifth Beatle yeah, was right. like the honorary member. So have gotcha. To so like, even though we don't have a basketball team, you're the sixth man. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Yeah. You've yeah. really confused this analogy and we should just move on. Yeah. But Sorry. We'll stick Sports to, we'll stick to fifth, be- fifth Beatle. Fifth Beatle is fine. Uh, anyways, it's going to be a good one. So we obviously, that was the Joe Tweed's voice in case uh, you're new to the show. Uh, so what we're going to be doing today, a little bit different, we're going to be doing end of season awards. And hopefully you knew that because you filled out the Google Doc that we put out there. So we wanted some listener engagement, put out the form on Friday, said, hey, give us your ratings. We've incorporated those into script, so it should be good. A uh, little caveat for this with the end of season awards. It would probably be pretty boring if every single answer was, oh, yeah, Champions League final, gold in the Champions League final, this play in the Champions League final. So we're going to try to exclude that and just take that as a, yeah, duh, we know that's there. Um, so, Dan, give us a rundown. What kind of awards are we going to be running through today? Player of the season, young player of the season, most improved, the player of uh, mea culpa two. You know, there's a lot of really good ones in here. The the shithouse moment of the season, one <laughs> handpicked from a Joe Tweedy here. Moments that made us laugh, nothing that made us cry, but, you know, just things to kind of get the conversation going and reflect upon. Again, the chaos and trophies that Chelsea delivered yet again, because that's just what we do. Well, plenty to get into uh nick before we do that did you have any objections uh as a as a content editor here yeah guys as head of content i've uh you know i was looking through the script and i like i'm excited i think i i think it's fun to do a player we owe an apology to i think it's a, a shit house. like we've said shit house a lot on this podcast this season why wouldn't we do a moment of the season i think there's some really good stuff in here uh that will be a different sort of twist to an end of season show than we've done before uh, and hopefully, you know, with a bunch of new listeners post Champions League final, you guys will start to see a little bit of personality shine through here. It'll be good. Well, and thank you to the close to 300 people who took a few minutes out of their day to give us some feedback because there were a lot of really that reading back through them and some of those who do we owe an apology to or what was the moment that made them smile this season. There were some really wonderful responses. There are also some head scratchers and we'll kind of get into that as we chat through it. All right. Well, that's on you, Dan, to pull those in uh, throughout the episode. So let's jump right into it. Okay. End of season awards. And instead of making you wait to the end, like the Oscars and Grammys of artist of the season, we're going right to the top and just going to give it all away at the beginning. So player of the season in parentheses, any, uh, any player was on the ballot for this one. So uh, I guess maybe I'll let Nick run through these, probably make some sarcastic comments and see where we come out on the other side. Oh, sarcastic. I don't know about that. That's that's not who I am as a person. Um, 
Look, for our grouping, and I think for the majority of the people, Mason Mount is the player of the season. Okay? He just is. He's by far the player of the season. What Brandon Busby has done, though, is akin to what the club did last year by awarding it to Mateo Kovacic. He's pulled the rabbit out of the hat and went in a whole different direction. So Joe and Dan and I go Mason Mount. The audience goes Mason Mount at a clip of 82%. Brandon Busby says, you know what? I'm a nonconformist. I don't care. Brandon, who did you pick? Edouard Mendy. Player of the season. Yeah. Explain yourself. It's pretty simple. Uh, without Edouard Mendy between, in, in goal for Chelsea, none, nothing else happens. Like This season completely goes off the rails. We, Mason Mount can't make up for the lack of defensive frailties and disasters if we don't have Mendy. So to me, I looked at this award as if you were to take one person out of the team, where does it crumble? We've seen Thiago Silva be filled in for. We've seen our outside backs be filled in for. We've seen our midfield be completely non-existent unless Angola Conte is in there. And we still succeeded. And we saw the attackers all get tweaked in and out. I think Mason Mount had an amazing season. I'm just saying if you were to pull one player out and it crumbles, to me it was Mendy. And that's why I gave him player of the season. Could you make that same argument about Mason though? Like where, where would we be without Mason's energy, effort, enthusiasm, goals, and assists? Absolutely. I think it's like a little chicken before the egg in this situation, which came first, because uh, unfortunately, Mason didn't have the statistical season that that probably would put him in like the Premier League team of the season because he didn't have enough goals, didn't have enough assists. But to your point, he was the glue filled in in every different position. But again, I just think we've seen that if your back line isn't solid, it doesn't matter if you have a 30 goal scorer a season. Arsenal, case in point. Hmm. Joe, would you like to jump in here? Yeah, I mean, I think there is there is definitely an argument, and actually, I, I was I was also contemplating Mendy as as a selection. Um, the thing that I would say with Mason is that I think in difficult moments, and I think during the majority of the season, he has been the the player that has sort of held and maintained standards when it comes to performances, but also. Um, moments and bits of quality and sort of dragging the team through games. And I think, well, absolutely, I agree um, that, you know, if you take Mendy out and you put Kepa in, the, the, the season goes in a different direction. I think that says more about, you know, Kepa than it does Mendy. I think if you have a, a very good number two, then, of course, the, the difference between Mendy and that player is going to be drastic. Um, but maybe not the drop-off to someone like Kepa that, you know, even though Kepa was actually fairly decent when he came in under Tuchel, I think the the, the expectation from seeing him as a goalkeeper full-time um, compared to Mendy. I think that that gap obviously works in Mendy's favour. Um, but I just think that Mason, over the course of the entire season, just I kind of think, as I said, you know, in a team that maybe lacks star power, certainly um, in, in kind of attacking areas, I think that he was the the main catalyst. And I think at times the, the player that really kind of dragged Chelsea through games and had the the bits of quality kind of when it mattered. And, and you know, we could talk about the assist of the Champions final. You've got that fantastic goal against Liverpool. There's loads of, of sort of moments that jump to mind. And well, I think a player of the season, I think of either someone who's been like, you know, a seven, eight, nine, ten 10 out of 10 player, relatively consistently, not ha- hasn't had many bad games. But I also think about big, important moments. And I think the ability to, to drag a team that lacks that star power, that maybe lacks some of that 
um, kind of top tier world-class quality to drag that forward through the season is probably why I, I give it to Mason. Although I would say as well, in, t- in terms of the Mendy vote, I do completely understand and I think he has been probably one of one of the, if if not the the best player that we signed, um, you know, this season in terms of his contribution. So Ooh, I can see the, that's another the reasons for voting for him. Yeah, uh, well, it's another category, yeah. And, <laughs> Spoiler alert, really, yeah. Um, really quick yeah. for really quick for Dan, because I want Dan to get his Mason Mount love on. Nine goals, nine assists, all comps. So 18 goal contributions for Mason this year, a tick up from last year. But overall, Dan, a, Mason Mount was a whole different player this year than he was last year. And I think it's a huge compliment to him evolving his game. He was the player who, when it got the toughest, would stand up and be accounted for. And that wasn't every player on the team throughout the entirety of the season to a point that Joe was making. Look, gives a mean high five after winning the Champions League uh, final. You know, that's just uh, based on personal experience. I can kind of vouch for that. Um, Yeah, uh, great season from him. I I would also underline the fact, too, that Mendy, the reason why I wouldn't give it to Mendy is just that the defense actually made his job super simple in a bunch of games. And so that's probably another thing where he didn't, get tested as much when Mason kind of, again, most minutes in the team this season um, had to play. He could have set up a picnic, Dan, in some of these (laughs) games where he didn't face a shot on target. Yeah, they should should have docked him some PTO days for uh, some of those (laughs) matches, that's for sure. All right, anyways, anyways, the the, kind of second player of the season award is the young player of the season award. And this is for someone who Bill is Foden, ladies and under gentlemen. the year Bill twenty. He came out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, we know the Premier League awards usually come through the champions of the of the season, which you get. But yes, Phil Foden was voted Young Player of the Year. Uh, a bit to the surprise, um, Dan. We almost had a clean sweep here, but I think we can understand why Joe didn't fall in line. Yeah, look, uh, audience choice, 73%. Mason Mount, again, winning both, uh, getting the double of uh, the audience vote, getting the double, double, double from double. a one Nick Verlaney and a one Dan Dormer, Mason Mount as well. Uh, Brandon joins the Mason Mount Love Fest there, and uh, Joe Tweeds with the Reese James, which, again, I, I think is a very valid choice as well, Joe. I mean, I think Mason had a great season, but you could argue playing in multiple positions Reese James had a chance to shine in a different way and evolve his game this season. So I'm, I, I don't feel bad about that one either. Why are you guys giving him both awards? Like, Tweeds and I are on the same page here. You don't pick the same person for player of the his, season and young player of the season. It's not his fault he's under 23. Tweeds, yeah, come on. I, I, you, well, if he, well, no, no, no. If he's the player of the season, like, and by he's now default, under the age of 23, he's clearly young he has player to the be season. the young player of the season. Yes. Joe, thank you for using logic and not giving him both awards <laughs> and giving another player an opportunity to win something and be recognized for his great work. Yeah, let's give them all a medal, you know? My gosh. Let's orange Participation trophies, and, yeah? yeah. This is, we're talking one, anyway, Joe, please, <laughs> for the love of God. So... First of all, I, I agree with the guys. If you win the main award, then you kind of by default, you win the Young Player of the Season award. However, I would say that in this instance, I think because Mason was so so clear in that category, I wanted to give a nod to, to Rhys James. And I think one one of many reasons it is to see, I think both in terms of Mason and Rhys, to come through the academy, to have the loans that they've had, to have their sort of introductory season last year. Um for them now to become such critical parts of a squad and, and look to be among our best players, um, 
I wanted to give that that nod to Reese. Well, I think again, people forget beginning part of the season, first half of the season under Lampard, playing as a right back before things took a nosedive in December. There were shouts that that Reese was probably our best player at that point in time. I think he was having such a really good season from right um, from right back, um, and then this transition that he's had to to play wing back and then right centre back. I think the last I don't know six to eight weeks of the season, how we closed the season out. Um, even even stepping into midfield, you know, for for, for portions mm. of the game, I just wanted to give him that sort of acknowledgement that that he has made such enormous strides from from last season, particularly defensively. Um, when it comes to defending one on one, I think we've seen so many examples this season of him just bullying really really good players. You know, Raheem Sterling, Jamie Vardy come to mind, um, but rarely rarely getting beat. And of course, you know, fullbacks and wingbacks in this league. You're playing against some incredibly fast, pacey, tricky, you know, players. You're going to get beat on occasions. But I think this season, certainly um, second half of the season, and probably even in the first as well, when maybe he was a bit more attack-minded um, in, in terms of his output. But second half of the season, the maturity that he's shown, the ability, the trust that I think players have in him now, um, and just those performances. And then probably to have your best game in the Champions League final, you know, I think if if Kante's not on the pitch, okay, maybe we don't win the game. But I think Reese is, is in with you know with a shout to to have been the best player in the game to ha- have that performance at that level in that game in that moment. Um, I think was such a fantastic reflection on him and the growth that he's had. So yeah, I just wanted to I wanted to recognise that as well as Mason, who has obviously been the standout player. Um, but just showing, I think, or giving Reese his flowers, this, you know, this season because he has been superb as well. And I think, yeah, as I said, particularly the way he ended the season, that for me is is something that has resonated strongly. And I think, again, you know, bodes very well for for next season. It's almost uh, as if it took an entire team to succeed this season. It's it's almost as if Brandon started using my entries into sentences. Um, yeah, look, I, I would say this, Joe, just on your on Reese. The league used to be right winger dominated, right? If, if you think about, you know, the Ronaldo's of the world in like the mid 2000s, there were a bunch of right wingers who would attack the Ashley Coles of the world at left back, right? Yeah. And Ashley Cole would win a lot of those battles. That's actually now the opposite. The left wing is where all the action's happening. And so Reese James has had to face a ton of talent this season, both in the Champions League and, and the Premier League. So, you know, the fact that, you know, like you said, he played his best game and was an absolute monster in the Champions League final. We got to see that up close and personal uh, was was great for him. He just didn't didn't quite have the same consistency that Mason did, which is yeah, why I'd I agree. It. All right. Uh, continuing on to mo- most improved player of the season. Uh, weird. Dan and Nick again with Mason. Did you guys put Mason for every <laughs> award? He imagined Mason, Mason up there being like, I, I don't want it. Like, I'm good. I don't need any of these anymore. No, no, no. Most improved player of the season. Um, let's see, I guess I can, I can let Joe, you can run through these this time. Yeah. So we've got a couple of shouts of Reese James and I think I actually, I know why both Brandon and, and Dan have picked Reese there. Um, I gave a, a shout to Ben Chilwell and I'll, I'll talk for that through in a second. Um, and then Mr. Villaney comes with Christensen who again, I think is a, is a really good shout. And then interestingly enough, the audience choice is actually Antonio Rudiger. And I think Rudiger was actually my first choice, um, but then I, I kind of, I thought maybe that, that Chilwell was, was the one that I would go with here. So if we go with, let's go with the Reese James examples, first of all. So with Brandon, uh, we'll go with Brandon first on that. I mean, I just think you go to someone who, you know, went from a little bit of time last season to essentially being the starter in the Champions League final. 
It's just that is a big glow up for him. And uh, he's played right back and right wing back. So, again, I just think that. Uh, and, and right center back. And right center back and holding mm-hmm. mid one time. He played a six. So I just, yeah, I think with Reese, um, him again, going from, I would say, a, a much of a sub to very much planted in the first team wherever he's needed, to me, that just kind of checked the boxes. Well, he went from playing 2,400 minutes last season to playing almost 3,300 minutes this season, 47 appearances versus 37. Um, scored, scored a banger that we'll talk about later. And look, I mean, he's. It was great to watch him and to know that we have a player who can stand up to some of the most prolific attackers in world football. And that is a pretty nice security blanket to have on the right-hand side. And whether he was playing deeper back or playing further forward, I mean, I think there's still room for his game to grow, which is another crazy thing to think about. Like he reaches this new plateau of okay i've made it i've made it up this hill i'm at a plateau again but oh by the way i still have ton of mountain to climb is a really exciting prospect to think about too but i I also i can see nick shout for christensen as well like that would be one that i think is in the conversation too i mean you think about where he came from it's a well and and maybe (laughs) maybe fifth choice right uh you think about where he was early in the season with the red card against liverpool and how uncomfortable everything looked for him to coming in as a sub in the 38th minute of a Champions League final or whatever it was, 35th minute, whatever, and playing lights out in that role, replacing Thiago Silva, who's a legend in the game. Uh, and, and some of the performances he put in both centrally and on the right-hand side of that three, you know, I think there were, there were plenty of times where you could have given him a shot for for man of the match um, as we struggled to score goals and the defense was the main reason why we finished in the top four this season. I mean, there, there's just a lot to like about Christensen. I, I think Joe, for me, and I'll let you pivot over to, to your pick for me, it is the confidence that he looks like he has now. I like that's always been something that I, it didn't always look super confident. Yeah. Even under Conte where, where he was playing his, his best football prior to this year, this looks like a guy who is very self-assured, who understands his strengths and weaknesses at this point in his career, and is only 25. I mean, I think there's uh, – if you would have told me at the end of the season I would be awarding him most improved player, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, I, th- I think the Christensen pick was was interesting. Um, I think the thing that I've noticed, I think I agree with Nick in terms of his, his confidence levels, but – he seems to relish the physical side of the game more this season, or at least certainly mm. under under Tuchel. I think one of the concerns that I've had, and I think maybe some of the the limitations that he has in a back four, is that he can get pinned, he can get um, at muscled, and teams will target him. But then you put him in the middle of a back three, you give him the confidence that I think Tuchel has. You surround him in a system where he can he can use his strengths, you know, the mental side of the game, his ability to read the game, his ability to to be in the right place at the right time to win the ball. Um, and then you see him start to be more physical. I mean, he, he had a couple of bookings recently. Well, from, you know, that, that's not the Andreas Christensen of, of last season. He would have been, you know, stepping off of people. And sometimes you have to show that aggressive side. Um, and, you know, funny that we've, we've, I've mentioned aggression and looking at the audience choice of Antonio Rudiger. But uh, I, I went with Ben Chilwell. Um, I felt Chilwell started the season pretty well. I think then he had an absolutely enormous dip in form. Um you know, when you have somebody like Marcus Alonso sort of creeping back into the team, 
that to me suggests that your first choice left back is maybe not sort of performing at the level that they should be. Um, you know, Tuchel comes in, I think again, you know, Chilwell sort of looked to be a little bit sort of isolated and kind of a tiny bit lost in terms of what was expected of him as, as a left wing back. And then, you know, fast forward to kind of the, the last two months of the season. Again, you know, arguments of being one of the best players on the pitch. You know, he he has the the engine, he has an, an eye for goal, he has the ability to to link play, to, to receive the ball in difficult areas. And I think what, whatever sort of happened in that period where the penny dropped for him, from that point until the end of the season, I, I genuinely felt that he was one of the strongest players that we had. Um, and to look at a guy who, again, for me, similar to Reese James, they're very traditional fullbacks in the, the modern sense of the word traditional. In that they, they have good engines, they get up and down the pitch, they can put crosses in. When you're playing as a wingback, there's a slightly different expectation. You are the main width of the team. You know, you are expected to be the the, the main uh, outlet on that on, on that side of the pitch rather than supporting a, a winger or somebody who is is maintaining width. So it's a little bit of change of mentality. It's a change of skill set. It's, it's an adaptation. And I think certainly when you look at the, the performance in the final, his his ability to almost act as like a first receiver in terms of build-up phase where we were playing that switch to him all the time. He was so important for Chelsea in terms of the attacking sense. Um, plus, he completely and utterly dominated Mahrez in that game. You know, bar the, the, the swinger that, that he had at the end. Um, I think Chilwell completely, completely locked him up. And, you know, to see him go from certainly that point in December and, and maybe when Tuchel first came in, looking very unassured, looking very... Just he just looked lost in in those sort of wide areas. What his his role was, what he was meant to be doing. To see him go from that to that Champions League final performance, I think that for me was was the reason why he said it was the was was the most improved. I think what's an interesting thing here, and maybe where the comeback play, uh, the most improved player of the season, each one of us chose a defender, which probably speaks to the impact Tuchel had yeah. on this side as well in helping solidify the defense, not only giving us a system, but in seeing some of the game improve for these players as well, you know, uh, Ben improved, Reese improved, Andres improved, Antonio improved. Like they, they all had levels up in terms of where they were potentially uh, pre Tuchel or even kind of from the prior season as well. So like credit, like I think all of these uh, get a little would share the award with uh, with Thomas in that regard. All right, next one up is comeback player of the season, which is rather similar. I would say to this, I think improved, you know, uh, is a sense of like from a, a technical standpoint, like a, a performance, a skill set standpoint from comeback. We looked at this a little bit different saying like who essentially was one foot out the door and all of a sudden is like staple in the team. That's how I looked at it, which makes me really confused to see that Dan put N'Golo Kante as comeback player of the season. I'm sorry, Dan, where did he come back from? Well, he came back from in 2018-19, playing in 53 matches, 4,200 minutes. Last season, 28 matches, 26 appearances, 2,300 minutes. Goes back up this season, 48 appearances, 3,200 minutes. I mean, it's more Uh about the fact that he... Came back from an injury? I mean, it's not like his performance level... (laughs) Do we do we not remember people wondering like oh is you know will Chelsea sell N'Golo Conte is it time to move on you know I mean the, the, like unfortunately right these were narratives at the beginning or kind of middle part of the two weeks of summer off that the players had before resuming football again for this Premier League season and now we're talking about you know there there are not just Chelsea fans 
It is the French national team players. It is pundits who are talking about should N'Golo Kante win the Ballon d'Or. And look, it's not about the fact that I think that he it, it, he's gotten his fitness back. He's being managed appropriately. And we have the best midfielder in world football on our team. And, you know, if you can get an extra thousand <laughs> minutes or so from him, like that is a comeback. You know, we, we don't win the Champions League if, if he's not available. Um, you know, we, we definitely don't <laughs> finish top four in some capacity because uh, he's just amazing. He's he's he's, you know, arguably our best big game player. I, I just think that maybe this wasn't the award for that. I'm just yep, going to challenge. Much. I just think I want to yep. challenge you on that. By the way, I would say I don't think anyone wanted to sell him last season the way he ended. I think it was the post Maurizio Sarri season that I and others maybe said some things. But we gave you your t- your time to talk on that and i think it'll be really interesting to hear what people think on socials about that which again um is is up to everyone but nick you and i put rudiger mine was obviously because he was literally about to be sold tuchel came in liked rudiger and now all of a sudden <laughs> he's an absolute staple in a back three yeah it is an absurd from from you know Munich style comeback for for Rudiger. I mean, I, I really he wasn't even in our thoughts most of the season. He was fifth choice or fourth choice center back. Frank didn't play him. He wasn't a part of a back four. He certainly is is more comfortable in a back three. And he absolutely came in and challenged my perception of him. You know, which I think is a a massive deal. And you know, I think credit to him. I, look, I the biggest thing that that happened was even under Frank, he had mistakes in him. They were gone. I don't remember him making a mistake in the second half of the season, which was to me his biggest liabilities. He would just like do something ridiculous. You're like, oh my god, Rudiger, like what are you doing? Like, every time he stepped, he won the ball it, it, again. Just it seemed like a completely different player. Tweeds, you were essentially picked the guy next to him on the bench that we thought was halfway out as well. <laughs> Uh, you went with Andreas Christensen. Yeah, I mean, as a as an ex-resident of, of Denmark and, and Copenhagen in particular, the amount of conversations I've had about him over the past couple of years is, uh, yeah, probably not worth mentioning at this point in time. But I think he is another player that sort of beginning part of this season, mentally, you know, when we come to do sort of keeps our loan, he was, he was on the, the, the sale list for me sort of from the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, you know, I've never been that convinced of him in a back four and I felt, well, if Lampard's going to persist with his system, then it's clear that there are a number of casualties and Christensen maybe is is one of them. Um, but then Tuchel comes in, he shifts the system and then we get this sort of kind of range of of just, just excellent performances from him. Um, you know, there was a stint where he was deputising for an injured uh, Thiago Silva where he was starting regularly, you know, playing as a, as a right centre-back, playing as the, as the middle centre-back and... I just think that ultimately he, again, is, is another player that I think obviously benefits from the, the change of system, but he he grew and he became, I think, a real, I don't want to call him, he, he just became, I think, just a, a real staple kind of part of that back three. And when he came on um, for Silver in the final, I think the biggest compliment that I can give him is that I wasn't really too concerned. I'd seen sort of Christensen come and step on before and and play play pretty well in in sort of recent outings as well. And the fact that he came on the pitch and fit in so seamlessly to the team performance, you know, he had some amazing blocks and tackles. And I think the way that he sort of marshaled the 
the the backline there was was crazy. So for me, the, the the vote comes from the fact that I think he was at least mentally for me, you know, he was he was checked out. He was going to be sold in the summer. Um, he was a player that Chelsea could get good money for. He's still young, etc. All, all those sorts of uh, things were applying. And then to move from that position to me seeing him as probably at this point, if this system continues, maybe he is the natural heir to to Thiago Silva in the middle of that, you know, the middle of that defence going forward. Um, and that switch in in perception, that switch in in his standing in my head, and certainly the way that he's viewed at the club. For me, that was comeback of the season. I think Rudiger is is the same, um, although I think I've, I've chosen him really for for more of the of the next award because again that that turnaround for me was was quite dramatic. But in terms of comebacks, I, I went with Andreas because I just think that he he kind of showed the, the the mentality that I've been wanting to see for him for a while, and then that performance I think of the Champions League final also kind of cemented that in in, in my head as well. Totally, totally get it. Uh... <clears throat> Again, not to pick any Dan, I just you had a very wild card answer that I think kind of su- surprised us, and and we'll we'll leave it well, at that. I mean, we we fought for a moment in time, and Golakante was human, and he reminded us that in fact he is not a human in any capacity. He is a evolved life form uh, that we are just so fortunate to have uh, play for Chelsea. So maybe I would challenge your most improved player this season choice. Then yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm, I just think that. It was interesting. So, hey, we're going to take a real quick break. But before we do, uh, huge shout outs to Christian, Ryan, Edward, Tyler, Eric, Hillary, and Brian, power couple, and Ed, who joined on the monthly sub train on Patreon, and Zachary, who did the yearly one. Huge shout outs to you guys. Uh, get in the Discord, get stuck into the best Chelsea community online. Uh, really excited to let Dan talk through the Apple Podcast reviews here. Uh, so, some big hitters. Well, wonderful people who left a five-star review of London is Blue, which, hey, if you're listening on an app that lets you rate or on Apple Podcasts, you should leave a five-star review for London is Blue. But we want to thank uh, Joe Hartman 11, Cassie is Blue, uh, Radortz, uh, JFHG, and then uh, Booty Getter. So thank you all for your wonderful five-star reviews. All right. Well. Sorry, sorry, Dan, what, what was the last one? The last one got a bit distorted on mine. Yeah. Uh, yep. It is uh, Booty, B-O-O-T-Y, Getter, G-E-T-T-E-R. Yeah. As in, I'm going to booty get her. Nope, I don't think we needed you to explain anything. So I don't, uh, yeah, no extra, <laughs> no extra lyrics needed there, Dan. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you to these sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, a funny one here. Now that, so those are kind of like your classic, like awards, right? Uh, we don't do classic <clears throat> here, right? We're independent. We're not hold to any corporate standards or boxes. We do whatever the hell we want. Uh, so with that being said, uh, Nick, I feel like this one was written for you. So I'm going to let you introduce it. Yeah, I'm the only <laughs> one. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the, the category is player you owe a mea culpa to, a, an apology, right? Can I buy uh, you know, a beer? This is, yeah, look. <laughs> hey, man, I got it wrong on this one. That, that's what we're doing here. Uh, there is a consistent theme, uh, but I feel as if uh, Brandon probably has the biggest mea culpa in the, in the grouping. Um, a person he's consistently slated, uh, consistently wanted sold. And who uh, the Danes remember? The Danes yeah. remember Brandon the, Buzz. The North, they, the they North genuinely remembers. did. Yeah, yep. So yeah, I'm probably uh, not allowed Bra- in. So look, <laughs> all I'm saying is Rudiger was the consistent choice for Dan, Joe, and myself. It was also the audience's choice. 
Brandon, please issue a mea culpa to the player you selected. I like how you guys don't want to like give your official apologies. You're just going to group it, and I'm going to stand uh, no, here. No, you, but you go first, yeah. and then we will. So you know, I, look, no surprise, Andreas Christensen. In my defense, there was no nope. sign of playing back three. <laughs> he clearly is best in the back three. No. But when, that's not an apology. But if you were when, if you were going to list hey, an apology, that's not when, how you do it. When Tuchel came in, he stood up. Uh, I put this in our player ratings. It'll be next episode. Um, he played sweeper or just center back. He played right center back. Uh, he, he had a good run of minutes while Siva was injured. And then he kind of came in and out. He had his own injury. And it just, again, I don't know what Tuchel did to these center backs. Erased all the mistakes, gave them so much confidence. And Christensen looked like he should have been there uh, air, winning aerial duels throwing his body in front of, you know, shots in the box and things like that. And so it was just like, again, uh, if this is the Christensen we're going to get consistently, like he has every right to be in this team. And um, I I will try to not say I think he should be sold this summer. I'm on it. Now, Tuchel brought some of that uh, that Jordan's uh, secret stuff and uh, just yep. handed it out. Space Jam. Room. I like that. It was it was water all along. Um, I, guess, I guess which one of you want to do the group apology oh. for Antonio Rudiger? I'll, I'll go with Rudiger, and then we we can get on to the to the next one, which I think will be a more fun category. Uh, look, I didn't rate Rudiger beginning of the season. I didn't, and I you know with some of the stuff that came out, uh, you know around Frank sacking time, I think that impacted my view even more. Uh, however, uh, he certainly showed up in the second half of the season. Certainly was you know I think one of the leaders on the pitch. Certainly was our. Uh, you know, probably a master of the dark arts, uh, certainly was not afraid of a little head to head with some of the world's biggest, uh, forwards. And so, you know, look, uh, while, while I was on the record as to not having been the biggest fan, uh, he certainly looked at me and said, you know what? Fuck you, Nick. I, I'm, I'm really good. Uh, and so rightfully so well done, sir. And you get my mea culpa for the season. I missed that IG live where you guys were doing that and I should have, yeah. uh, should have tuned in for it. Fuck you, man. Oh. <laughs> I got it. Fair enough. Yeah. It, yeah. That was a, a, a wild comeback. Uh, an, another one. Best new signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. We have we have a a wide variety here. I I aligned with the audience choice with Edouard Mendy. So I again I'm kind of giving him two awards this season. But credit when it's due, Dan. You messed up comeback, but you na- you came back and nailed best new signing. Look, it's Bell Silva, hands down. Really is. Best signing that Chelsea made this season. Best extension renewal. Oh, man, what a what a treat. Uh, I mean, the, the Silva family in general has just been a, like, how quick they took to Chelsea, how much they've adopted in, how much the fan base has loved them back and loved on them. And that's one of the sweeter parts of this season is just how that has happened. Uh, I will say that it was Champions League winner Edouard Mendy was the one who I said is the official best new signing, but uh, Bell Silva is uh, is probably the, the true winner, really. Yeah, I, same as you said, Senegalese hero Edouard Mendy to try to mm. add another uh, award to, to his name, audience. That, vi- that video was so good, man. Yep. Oh, uh, that video was so good. And, and, and you had like Sadio Mane like dabbing him up, right, dude? And it's just like, hey, he's won it as well. So Senegal, you know, they've got, they've got some players. Um, let's see. Uh, audience went 71% uh, for Edouard Mendy. So 
tweeds i apologize you fell in line too i completely misread that in the script <laughs> so um welcome to the team that won anyways nick thank you nick 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 ben chillwell I went I went off the beaten path on this one. I, I will fully accept if I'm if I'm wrong in the eyes of the audience, but I remember last summer when we were so desperate for a left back solution, right? And and it was like I think arguably the position we were looking to fill. Uh if if you if you play those podcasts back and we were talking about a whole lot of different options. Uh Ben Chilwell closed the season as strong as any player at Chelsea. Um, outside of, of N'Golo Conte, maybe Mason Mount. I mean, he was unbelievable in the final and I think really proved his worth. And the fact that you have a left-back solution for X amount of years moving forward, I think just gives Chelsea's whole defense, including Edouard Mendy, a lot more stability and confidence. And, uh, you know, I just – I I – I know he had a dip in form. I know there's going to be some stuff we talk about with him, but I think as a signing, he's tremendous. I, I think to maybe uh, to give you some initial credit for your point, Nick, I mean, look at some of the names that we had been linked with in the summer, Regulon, Tellez, you know, all of these others right now. And you might look back on it and be like, wow, I'm so glad we got Ben Showell instead of this list of other players, you know, and I think... Yeah, that, that's maybe, you know, a way that we could uh, underline your point as being a really solid one as well. All right. Next one up, need to see more award. Got to love that one. AK, someone that we want to see do more next season than what we got this season. Um, I'll, look, I guess. Brandon put the whole team. Damn, damn <laughs> here. So Dan had Kai, Tweets had Kai, Nick said easy answer for me would have to be Werner to score more goals but Kai Havertz is the star boy here um audience said Kai so tweets what why Kai so I think this one is relatively straightforward for me at least and in terms of need to see more I think that Kai Havertz can be an absolute superstar if he continues to develop I think we are seeing we're seeing moments we are seeing starting to see performances we're starting to see patches of form now that I think people were largely hoping to see a little bit earlier in his Chelsea career. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the adaptation he's had, you know, the signing in the pandemic, the no pre-season, you know, the, the COVID that he had. And I, I genuinely think it took him a very long time to get over the the, the sort of COVID symptoms that he had. Um, but the, the the end of the season, the performance that he, the performances that he's put in, particularly again, you know, you're looking at the, the biggest stage, the finish that for the goal, um, his all-round performances. I just think that there is there is a talent in there that is potentially a world 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 class player, and when we're looking at sort of need to see more of him, I want to see that that Kai Havertz more consistently. I want to see him um, start to to control and take over games and be the the sort of offensive linchpin of the team, the keystone player. I want him to be that guy. Um, more regularly. So when when it comes to seeing more from him, uh, I think he had a very positive end to the season. But I just I just see that there's so much talent in him. There's so much class. There's so much ability. I want to see more of that on a more regular basis. And I don't think it will be news to him. I think he said it himself that you know he he needs to improve next season. Um, but with a preseason, hopefully with more comfort, um, maybe a little bit more of a physical adaptation to the league. Um, I see him being a player that I think could go from strength to strength and. 
you know, in terms of uh, the overall quality that he can bring, that he brings to the team and can bring to the team in the future, I do see him being somebody who can be that that sort of star player that we've we maybe been lacking in the final third since since Eden's departure. It, it, it's his. It's based on his absurd potential, right? Yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. the the fact that you only saw glimpses of what he can do, or even what he did at Leverkusen. Uh, is the reason why I think he, we have to see more from him. Like there are a bunch of players on this team that have a, a lot of potential, and I, I listed a couple here. I think CP10 is an honorable mention here too. Uh, but if he is really going to be the once in a generation, t- you know, type of talent, you gotta you gotta put it up. That's I think it. the the good news for me when I looked at this was that he ended the season trending upwards. Uh, which gave me more comfort, comf- like confidence with him. I mean, again, the, his beginning of the season was was brutal, especially with his battle with COVID. But I put Werner, Ziyech, Kovacic, Jorginho, Calum Hudson-Odoi, Christian Pulisic, Marcus Alonso. But the one I would pick out out of all those is Hakim Ziyech. He's supposed to be an experienced player. He's supposed to be coming with this huge CV and pedigree. And I was just so... Like, uh, like disappointed that he didn't, I mean, he had a couple of really good goals that we needed, especially against Manchester City. But other than that, I would say it was mostly a season that he was lost week in, week out. And again, I thought we were buying kind of the finished product with him. And we didn't. You could even say with Timo Werner and Kai, like, oh, yep, they're still young, finding it. Ziyech was supposed to be the experienced one to come in, provide that value, be consistent week in, week out. And he's largely been a bystander in this team. So that's why, like, if for me, like, he's the one who just absolutely needs to come back ready to rock uh, in preseason. Master of the Dark Arts. I love this one. My problem is, Dan, I, I tried so hard to not put the most obvious answer. But if you think about it, our team doesn't really have a lot of dark artists. Like, this one answered itself. Look, sometimes the most obvious choice is the correct one. And if you selected anyone other than Antonio Rudiger with the Suarez moment, with the laying on the ground and faking an injury in a Champions League final to avoid getting maybe a red card. Uh, look, there, there's a whole lot of uh, individual moments of just tactical brilliance in the way that Antonio Rudiger can wind someone up, can play to the moment, that can throw in maybe a a stiffer tackle than the game might legally allow. (laughs) Um, You know, Antonio Rudiger is that individual. And the best Chelsea teams in the past have been ones that have a few individuals that when the moment arises, when the team needs a release, when the team needs a little bit of extra oomph behind it, someone who can put in... You know, uh, those type of moments, make those, manufacture those in- incidents, uh, you know, it, it happens. And manufacture so, uh, to- those incidents. <laughs> what a way yeah, to put that's it. A, that's corporate one-on-one right there. <laughs> I I, uh, I have a, a master and an apprentice here, which I think is really important. The master is Rudiger. Uh Jedi. He, he, he really... In, in the shades of gray, you know, in a black and white world, he he operates in the shades of gray very well. Reese James, I think, has the potential <laughs> to to learn from and or become better than uh, the master. I think you started to see at the end of the season that attitude creep in, that little don't fuck with me type of vibe. Uh, the extra challenge that he threw into Sterling in the Champions League final 
uh, where he pushed him out of bounds after the, you know, he wouldn't give him the ball. Like he moved him like he was a paper airplane. I mean, it's like there, there is a, there's a very apprenticey type of vibe, uh, tweeds that I think you also had listed here. Yeah. I completely agree on the, on the apprentice vibes there. Um, I actually think Reese Reese is for me a fascinating guy because I think you guys have met him as well. But he's such a nice, like polite, like you know, goes way above what he should be doing as a footballer for you kind of person. Very quiet, you know. He's not very unassuming. Put him on a football pitch, and I, I wouldn't really want to go anywhere near him. You know, Raheem Sterling is a senior England international. He's won loads of trophies. Reese James was bullying him like an under fourteen in a training session. I mean, he was you know like. <laughs> You know, I, I remember um, Harry Redknapp's, you know, used to get an under 14 left back. So Gareth Bale could just run at him and ruin him before big games. Like that that was how it felt Reese James was dealing with, with Raheem Sterling. Like he was some under 14 and, you know, you're, you're not kind of getting anywhere. But Rudiger is the one. And, you know, I think you kind of summed it up there. But the, the one for me, the fact that in a in a Champions League final, he, he has hit Kevin De Bruyne like an Exocet missile in the face. Almost, you know, to the point where, you know, you, you could you could replicate the damage with like a baseball bat or a golf club or something and only got booked for it. And the fact that, I mean, you know, maybe I'm laughing about it now, but at the time I was a little bit concerned for, for De Bruyne, you know, fractured his orbital bone and basically broke his face in half. And the fact that Rudiger rolled around on the ground when his adamantium face mask obviously like completely and utterly destroyed De Bruyne and just to get a booking, that to me was... That that was the Ricardo Cavallo moment where Cavallo pulls uh, Victor Valdez, you know, and Chelsea yep. beat Barcelona back in the day. You know, the master of the dark arts really could be the Ricardo Cavallo award. But that moment in the final, big game, you know, Cavallo used to pull out these all the time, and it was just lovely to see Rudiger pretend that his yeah like Wolverine metal you know face mask had actually done any damage to himself. So I think he definitely. It's the moment the, he earned his uh, his doctoral degree of dark arts. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that that was yeah. That was when he he passed every single course. He's he's got the doctorate now. He's become a professor. He's now teaching at Harvard. You know, he's he's doing he's got well. Tenure, he's baby. He's the tenured professor of the dark he's, arts. He's a tenured professor now. Yeah. A special mention, uh, and we're gonna get to this uh, moment in uh, in two categories. But the absolute shithousery of the referee giving him the card after he pulled him up was amazing. Like the, that referee was incredible in the final and that was like the moment where he pulls him up and then boop right there that's for you all right next one uh quite the opposite if you're going dark arts is goal of the season we've got everything in here we've got a buffet um i went with Giroud's bicycle kick versus atleti felt like that was very pivotal especially in our run to uh spoiler winning the champions league this year in case you you missed it dan going with reese james lightning bolt versus brighton uh tweeds going reese versus brighton nick pulisic versus real mm-hmm. and then the audience choice was kai havertz versus city well yeah i mean we I mean, well, that, we specified it yeah, we yeah. specified at the beginning that we weren't going to go extra on the Champions League final. Obviously, that's like the, the that's goal, the, right? Yeah. yeah, duh. But <laughs> my, but I I picked Pulisic versus Real, which is a weird one. But I, like I think about that game in a lot of ways. Chelsea hadn't been to a semifinal in seven years. Pulisic was the star boy in that first half. was It was an incredible player uh, for Chelsea. Should have had an assist. Um, 
as well in that one. Uh, not mentioning names there. But I think his, the ability for him to make the run, to pull down the ball, to uh, to get outside of a long, gangly Courtois, and then to just do the thing that Chelsea players struggled to do all season, which is to shoot the ball at the middle of the goal and have it deflect off Iran in. Uh, that's a really class goal, and it was a really important goal for Chelsea to settle into that game and go, oh, yeah, these guys are beatable. Like, they're beatable. So really important goal, and I, I was really proud of him for that. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, obviously, a lot of people have the Champions League ones because I think at the end of it, it had a bigger impact on the on the season. To be fair, you two can fanboy all you want over Reese James' absolute thunder strike against Brighton, and and you're not wrong, Dan. I just want you to know that you're not wrong. That was fun. <laughs> wow. It had, had to preface it multiple times that I was not Don't wrong. Don't let really anyone tell that. you you were wrong. That's I'm here. Look, he was running at full speed, and he just you know takes the leg right through it and <laughs> completely blows. Like I'm surprised that it got stopped by the netting, Joe. I thought that thing was going to absolutely fly through it and destroy the concrete barricades and the plastic seats behind it. Yeah, I mean, not only was was that goal, I think in terms of quality, if you try and remove it from the moment, which is really hard to do with kind of goals, but the quality of that strike was exceptional. And I think if you remember back in that game, uh, Tarek Lamptey was playing and a lot of Chelsea fans were making claims, oh, Lamptey's playing and, you know, Reese James should have been sold. I I actually remember people saying stuff like that. So for then Reese to kind of produce that moment of quality and then go on to have the season that he's had ending, you know, kind of how it has... I think that that moment was like the starting point of his ascendancy into yeah there's there's a reason that the club were probably fairly fairly okay with with Tarek going because they have this guy here who probably can go on to become a, an absolute elite player so that moment for me was sort of the 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 catalyst for Reese's kind of ascendancy into where he now kind of sits in in terms of Chelsea players but the quality of the goal the, the, the yeah it was just exceptional it was just one of those hits from distance that is is absolutely perfect and you know a reminder again that you know I think he scored a very similar goal for Wigan you know the the what mm-hmm. two seasons previous to that as well so he obviously <clears> has that ability to to shoot from distance in his locker um but yeah thought it was a fantastic strike and I thought a nice a nice kind of counterpoint to to some of the uh the, the sort of the, the fawning over Tarek Lamptey that was happening at the same time no no shade against Lamptey I just I prefer to to back my players in this instance and uh yeah Reese obviously scoring the goal and then going on to half the season was 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 really really sweet all right the next one that we have is the moment that made you laugh a funny incident from the season uh I guess Nick I'll let you run through some of these some some interesting <laughs> there's fun there's moments. a lot in here there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot in here um brandon with spurs clinching top four for us and being excited about it appreciate it fellas thanks uh dan with uh with probably the meme and or gif of the season which is the dank meme of tuchel's response to Werner's miss versus west ham uh, maybe only toppled by his collapsing to the ground for the Pulisic miss uh, against City in the final. Uh, then Joe Tweeds with Reese James slapstick against Leeds. Quite good. Mine is Werner's preposterous miss uh, against Leeds at home where he's on the goal line and somehow manages to get it out of the goal and not in. Um, there, there's a lot here. Who wants to take the, the category and, and run it through? Like who, who who wants their moment to be the star? Well, I think I think you know Dan's is going to live forever. To be to mm. be fair, so I mean, the the impact like, is when, there. 
when it makes when it's trending on a subreddit, when it's trending trending on meme subreddits, and people who are not affiliated with football are using it as a response gift for things, <laughs> like it, it, it transcended, it became bigger than just something within Chelsea's season. And, and look, there were a lot of uh, interesting ones from the audience. Uh, Kovacic kicking the ball off of Mane was a good one. <laughs> um, mm. Uh, Rudiger and Zuma running after the athletic players, um, you know, the, the brawl at the, uh, the bridge, uh, you know, the, the Dragon Ball Z celebration from Mason Mount, uh, someone had any time Timo tried to score, which is a little, that's a little harsh. <laughs> um, you know, clearly but, that like, was uh, Joe. <laughs> Havertz's, Havertz's response at end of the champions league to the media i mean like so, that, look, there were yeah, plenty of funny moments this season and times that was uh, chaotic and didn't feel as good in the moment but uh, it's good that we can look back and laugh yeah i think obviously like i said um it, it depends on if you're a dark humored fan or not i think that probably changes where where you see i'm laughing in in just like complete disbelief versus no i'm laughing that because that was genuine and hilarious and i can't believe that that went our way uh, next one up is shit house moment of the season. My favorite award. Look, the uh, Joe Tweed special. To be fair, the fact that we could all come up with something different to it, I think is really important. Uh, Dan, or I guess I'll let Tweeds, Tweeds, you can run through the, uh, the responses here. Yeah. So we actually, the, the one from Brandon is interesting because I, I forgot that this has happened until he put it in here. So, I'm uh, proud. Brandon went with, uh, with Chelsea legend, um, Definitely not the, the biggest waste of money in the club's history. Danny Drinkwater <laughs> getting sent off in an under-23 match against Spurs, which obviously shows that he cares because it's Spurs, but mm, the circumstances... To be fair, uh, it was it, a horror tackle on him and he was completely justified. But still, to your point, just the fact that it was Drinkwater yeah. playing in a 23s match, may, earning 128000 a week. What are we doing here? <laughs> Uh, Mr. Dormer came up with Battle of the Bridge, which I, I agree. I think that was a that was a really really good one. Um, Nick had <laughs> Rudiger doing everything besides assaulting Suarez as well. Um, and uh, yeah, to 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 kind of I suppose build on what somebody said earlier in the in the moment that made you laugh. Mine was uh, was Kovacic perfectly passing the ball against Mane's face when he was on the ground. And the thing <laughs> that one that made me laugh so much is that you know Kova. Sometimes isn't the best at picking out a pass, but the fact that he absolutely pinpointed it against Mane's face and then the reaction as well, where Koffer was telling him to calm down and Mane was losing it. That, that for me was, was absolutely perfection. Well, and then Mane decided he wanted he wanted a little taste of, of what Kovacic had going on. Kovacic is not a big guy. He's not backing down from anybody. No. No person in the world is he backing down from. So Pit, uh, Mane found that out pretty quick. Yeah, real quick. My look, if I if I'm gonna give my my master of the dark arts to Rudiger, I absolutely have to call out the finger against Suarez's throat as if as mm. if holding a knife and saying, "Hey, hey, buddy, you're a master of the dark arts. I am ascending in the dark arts." We are we are clashing right now. This is this is Jedi but, but, versus Palpatine. But the Battle of the Bridge had multiple moments of shithousery. Like the recognition of Amrity when he was there, the the head-to-heads, Mendy coming in and using the wingspan to clear the group. I, there was just so much Runway in clear. that one incident. It was amazing. Look, we all love a bust up against Spurs for sure. 
Again, I, and I knew that that was a good one, Dan. I was just trying to bring something else in. I think it's good we have a variety because that is something we want from this team, right? We want more steel. We want more bite from this team. I think we're starting to see it a little bit. I think Mason had a couple kickouts as well that, that weren't Mason had some but... sneaky ones this mm-hmm. year. He, he, yeah. Like he's... He's developing a little bit of that too, which he's is good. chirpy. He's very chirpy. Yeah. So I can't remember if he, it was the Seville game. It was uh, who's the the French guy who used to play for Stoke? Oh, I can't uh, remember. Zanzi, right? Yeah, he, it, Mason really, really got in his head in that game, and for such a young <laughs> player as well, you know, very slightly and subtly, it was it was really nice to see. It's a little JT esque, where he knows exactly what he's doing, but he can yeah. kind of smile and shrug it off and just kind of walk away. It's so good. He, he looks like a little choir boy, but uh, beneath there's some spikiness, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which without is, a doubt, it's good. Um, I'm glad we're not ending on this one, but uh, our second to last category here is you're keeping track of time. Least favorite moment of the season. Uh, we had to sneak this one in, which is it's fair, right? It's not all ups, even though we ended on the biggest up ever. Um, I think I can run through these, uh, and I'll let Dan throw in some audience submissions. But Nick said, no fans in the stands, slash the the wildly supported European Super League. Not not sure. <laughs> no idea how it didn't go through. Really. It's still in existence, by the way. Like apparently Real Madrid and like Barcelona and Juventus. Yeah, they can they can potentially still do the league themselves, potentially. Take it easy, fellas. I yeah, I don't know what to do. I, I would just say this on mine. The combination of those two things for that forty eight hours was really, really, really bad. Um, and thinking back in the moment, probably the most quicksandy type of unstable ground that we were on all year. And uh, I, I uh, the rest of these are right as well. But no, this, this was just one of those things that like the emotion that came out of, you know, the fan cast and the Chelsea and us and all these different perspectives. And it just, yeah, man, it I was impactful it. and it was unifying. Uh, it, it was good. I think. I think everyone's figured out by now that we're trying to pull multiple, not saying yes and no, but it's like, look at all these different moments throughout the season for all of these awards. And that was definitely a huge one. I'd actually already forgotten about it when you put it in. I was like, oh yeah, that did happen. That was, I okay. Um, uh, Dan putting losing the FA Cup final and then Tweeds and I saying correctly, Lampard getting sacked. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 you know, it was my least favorite moment. Did it lead to great things down the road? Yeah, but Joe, it's like losing Lampard Club legend um, when you just still weren't 100% sure if it was the right move or not. Can he turn it around? Could he not? You're hearing a lot of things about fractions in the, in the dressing room and things. But at the end of the day, anytime we have to watch a club legend walk away from the club, whether it's their playing career or now as a manager, like it, it was just obviously one of those moments that you're just like, didn't didn't enjoy yeah and I, I think it's important from from what you said there to recognize that it, it doesn't impact or downplay or demean anything that happened thereafter or whether it was the correct decision I'm not really looking at this from sort of a logical you know kind of conclusion to the season standpoint it was more the the you know the, the connection that Lampard has to the club the fact that he was and probably still is that you know the the main manager to actually try to give some of these world-class you know, talents that we produce at the club, an actual opportunity. Um, and I, you know, kind of at the time certainly felt that, you know, I, I think maybe in terms of his his management of the wider squad, certainly the 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 sort of older players or the maybe players that he wasn't so sure on. Um, 
you know, the, the, the way that I think that sort of contributed to going, I think that left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because, you know, when players got rid of, of VS Boas back in the day, still not an absolutely great testament to the players, but those players had won absolutely tons at the club. And, and then obviously, um, you know, in terms of, of, of what they had achieved and their standing in the game, I didn't necessarily feel that from some of the players, you know, that, that were being linked to, to sort of ousting him. So I think that was probably a combination of, of, of feeling a little bit... Uh, um, sort of or feeling disdain towards a certain group of players and then obviously Lampard has for me and I think for, for others as well will have a huge um, sort of place in your heart in terms of your Chelsea fandom he is certainly within shouts of, of being Chelsea's greatest ever player he is you know the player that he wore the armband in Munich he wore the armband in Amsterdam he scored the the goals to, to seal Chelsea's first league title in 50 years I mean he is inextricably woven into the tapestry of, of Chelsea Football Club um, and then to see the way that he he sort of left and sort of the, the sourness around it at the time, it was very, I mean, it's very, very upsetting. It was disappointing. Um, but it, again, it doesn't ne- necessitate that bringing in Tuchel when we did and obviously what has, what has transpired since was was the wrong decision. It's just the fact that, that Lampard, I think, means so much to, to, to so many people. Um, and I think, you know, as, as fans, we always want to kind of take the, the, the kind of rosy sort of perspective on things and, you know, Lampard will be here forever. We all knew that he wouldn't be. Um, but it was just going to be that moment of, uh, you know, when, when things did eventually go south that, that it happened this season. But yeah, difficult, to, difficult sacking. Um, you know, I think the, the, the club took so much time to, 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 you know, to eventually get rid of him, I think kind of showed that they also were, were feeling similar uh, sentiments as well in terms of trying to give him as much time as possible to turn things around. Um, but ultimately, you know, in terms of Tuchel coming in, what he's done, the way that he's resurrected and kind of reinvigorated a team that looked to be just floundering again and, and, and nothing special was going to happen. I think you, you give every credit to him, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it was still, I think, a very disappointing moment for me to see him go. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I separate the, the sort of two halves of the season in that respect. I can be disappointed that Lampard goes but also equally incredibly excited about the future under under Thomas Tuchel. It was nice they did it at the 19 game, Mark, so we can literally have first half of the season, (laughs) second half of the season. Um, Dan, I think yours is pretty straightforward, especially as we kind of had the worst week of the season that week. Yeah, I mean, losing the FA Cup final, and I think to everything that Joe said, like, Frank getting sacked and maybe I had uh, emotionally prepared myself for it based upon the run of form. So uh, like it was multiple weeks of feeling it. And so uh, I kind of want to forget about that time period. The FA Cup final was absolutely dreadful. Should have won. And we were a better we were a better team outside of a absolutely stupid goal to concede. <laughs> Just so stupid. Um, and, you know, I think this, this team should be celebrating two trophies this season, and it's absolutely ridiculous that we're not. And so, uh, look, I think it was basically split by the audience. There were uh, maybe edging into the favor of uh, Lampard being sacked as their least favorite moment. The FA Cup defeat was another one, and then a couple of shouts to losing to Arsenal twice or the West Brom results. I mean, there were definitely some plenty of least favorite moments in at least the first half of the season, a few sprinkled in the later half. But like you said, Dan, we had to do the double loss Arsenal in order to win the Champions League, and, and that did happen. So take, I would take it every year, every season. Yeah, I, I would like to. No I issue. would like to think we could separate them out though, and maybe not have to do that to get it. But again, if if that's a requirement, then then we could. Uh, last one here, most surprising moment. 
That was not the UCL final. I repeat, that was not the Champions League final. <sighs> Nick, can you do us a favor here? Uh, it ha- to me, it has to be the defense just absolutely doing a 180. I, I, I mean, you think about the sieve that was Chelsea Football Club's defense in the first part of the season, and then you think about the absolute lockdown one shot on target types of performances that we had in the second half. And it's like, it's, it's just wild that you can have the same set of players and have two drastically different results. Um, So that to me, I think it's just, it's stunning and the team deserves a lot of credit for it. Yeah. I I think I'm piggybacking off of that because I said Tuchel getting a tune out of the outcast. Most of our back line, you could say besides Thiago civil were outcasts at some point. I mean, he even got a, a tune out of Alonzo and hell Emerson even played left center back a couple times too. So again, the ability for Tuchel to come in in like I'm talking within 24 hours, get everyone on the same page, unified and going in the right direction was unbelievable. Um, Dan, you giving it back to the people. Well, you have to. I mean, Chelsea supporters saved world football this season. We single-handedly, the supporters <laughs> of Chelsea absolutely destroyed Perez and all his best laid plans to try to break football apart from supporters. And you know what? Uh, We got credit in the moment. We go and win something. We start losing credit again. So I just have to underline that moment in time and memorialize the image of Petrček reaching across the security guards into the throngs of Chelsea supporters, adamantly, loudly, and proudly decrying you know, the club and anyone involved in this Super League plan and helping dismantle it, you know, in front of Sanford Bridge on on that fateful day. And so, yes, it it was absolutely the most surprising moment that uh, fans were able to change the tide. I think we've talked a lot about how supporters have been Maybe, 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 you know, maligned in, in some capacity for their ability to influence uh, the decisions. Look, we, you know, we don't, aren't necessarily sitting on the boards. We aren't necessarily in boardrooms. We can only use what voice we collectively have. And particularly, you know, and this being maybe one of the largest groupings of Chelsea supporters, you know, from the uh, post pandemic area uh, before this Champions League final. So, like, I mean, just really, uh, you know, coming to see us, you know, put this moment into reality and save football. Uh, look, we, we need all the credit. Uh, we deserve all the credit, and uh, we should take it. All right. Um, Joe, I, I'll give you the last word on this one. Yeah, I, I was careful not to mention the final. <laughs> but uh, I think the most surprising thing for me and the thing that I've gone for is just the the dominance that we actually saw Chelsea have in the in the Champions League. You know, that that stat that we were only behind for five minutes in total over the entire competition is absolutely, absolutely wild. I mean, I think it was four minutes in one game and we were behind for one minute in another. And you're talking about facing the champions of Spain, the most successful European uh, team in in European Cup history. You know, you're talking about probably playing in Manchester City, probably the best team in Europe this season. Um, and, And Porto, who, you know, for pretty much both games, tried to kick Chelsea Chelsea off the pitch. The fact that we only conceded four goals, again, through the entire tournament, I well, don't think you're ever going to see anything like this ever again. It is Four of those minutes were against Krasnodar, right? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The <laughs> mighty, the, the, no, the, the mighty Krasnodar was there. No, no, Nick. The, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Keep going. Chuckles, yeah. bogey the, team. the mighty Krasnodar. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just have to hope that we don't draw them again next season. But that I just think the whole the whole run to the final, the performances that we saw along the way. You know, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, we weren't really in too much difficulty, and and they are two of the best teams in in world football. Um, it, it baffles me that a team that I think we we still finished, I think what nineteen points behind City domestically, and we we struggled against West Brom, we struggled against certain teams. The the flip from some of those domestic performances to just how unbelievable we played in Europe, that's a surprising thing for me. Is the the amount of of performance and, and the tactical side of things that Tuchel was able to deploy and just the levels that we were showing. Um, you know, even in my wildest dreams when Tuchel took over, I was I was hopeful that we would get past Atletico. I mean, I'll be, be completely honest. You know, at the time, you know, top of La Liga, they have a fantastic team. Simeone's an insane coach. But then to, to go from that game and the rest of the tournament, um, and I know we're not really meant, supposed to mention the final here, but as soon as we went ahead, I didn't think we were going to lose. And for a game of that magnitude and, and the quality of the opponent, to not have really that feeling of terror until maybe like the last 10 minutes when, when naturally, you know, you get nervous, um, I think was just testament to, to how, how amazing the team was. And, and that is the surprising thing because it's the complete opposite of what we've seen for the past three, you could say four seasons in, in total when we look domestically. So, yeah, surprising that we were able to, to turn, flip this kind of switch that I didn't know was there with this group. Um, and then, yeah, just see them just have this insane run, which I don't think we'll, we'll ever see anyone beat that that defensive record that we had on the way to the final. I think it's it's almost impossible. So, yeah, um, that for me was was certainly the most the most surprising moment was just that that whole whole run to the final and the the stats that sort of fell away, or sorry, the stats that sort of came out of the the uh, the, the you know the the march to to the Champions League. I mean, that, that was the, the fan favorite in terms of the audience voting. Uh, lots of people talking about beating City three times in the span of time that we did. The losses to West Brom being very surprising, though. Yeah. I mean, th- that's typical Chelsea. You know, we, we do the business on the biggest stage and then we just capitulate against the Minos. And um, beating Madrid, uh, I think, comes, came as a surprise. Giroud's, uh four goals against Sevilla. Uh, being something that was Tammy's omission being a surprising moment of the season when we weren't scoring necessarily as many goals that you would like. Uh, the clean sheets, because uh, there were many. So, I mean, definitely a, a lot of them. Uh, J- J5 being the leading goal scorer in the Premier League for Chelsea this season. Yeah, you know, again, is surprising. That, that probably should win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, look, this has been fun. All right, this has been... Uh, covering a lot of different things. We're able to show a lot of appreciation for a lot of different players not named Mason Mount. We're still able to show Mason Mount some appreciation uh, by giving him all the individual accolades. But in in all seriousness, uh, what a season it's been. And this is our fun way of recapping it rather than going month by month and match by match. So again, we want you to share with us your moments of the season as well. Uh, feel free to use this. Uh, we're going to have the conversation in our Discord on the episode discussion. So again, if you're looking to continue the conversation, go to Patreon, sign up, get invited to the Discord, or we'll do it on Twitter. Usually is the easiest one. But uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been fun. Uh, I would say the next episode we have coming is the the men's team end of season ratings on a player by player basis. Uh, again, this is something we threw out. So if you voted, thank you. Uh, we'll be able to use those as, as we go along. Um, merch has been going great. If you're unfamiliar, we still have a few Why Not Us shirts. We have a lot of the the We've Done It Again second time European Champion shirts that are live on the site. 
Uh, and then lastly, we're toying around with some ideas of uh, a live event maybe to kick off the Premier League season. So uh, if you'd be at all interested in a live event, shoot us an email uh, so we can start a list of people interested. Contact at londonisbluepodcast.com. Um, we're just going to try to see what we can do. Anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us for this one. Again, we'll be back with another episode. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Flying high.